I'm Ali Wine, a senior analyst with Eurasia Group's Global Macro Practice. I'm Oriana Schuyler-Mastro, a center fellow at the Freeman Spogli Institute for International Studies at Stanford University and a senior non-resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Well, Oriana, it's great to be talking with you, and I, I wish we were having this conversation uh, in person, but I'm glad that we get to talk nonetheless. And I wanted to talk about a piece that you wrote for Foreign Affairs earlier this month, and you call China's policy towards North Korea, quote, an elaborate balancing act. And so I want to put to you two questions. Number one, what are the elements of that balancing act? And then second, what do you think that the United States and its regional allies and partners need to do differently to manage the security challenges? posed by Pyongyang more effectively? Well, I have to say, you know, I, I write, it's very emotional for me to write about China and North Korea because I've been doing it for so long. You know, yeah. my undergraduate <laughs> honors thesis was about China and North Korea. So I'm like, what, let's resolve this issue so I don't have yeah. to write about it anymore. Um, but, <laughs> but in the foreign affairs piece, I was, you know, trying to make this argument to demonstrate that one of the biggest problems is that China is has been very successful at balancing between what looks like conflicting goals. Right. On the one hand, they, they want to look like they're resolving the issue um, for international image, prestige type of, of, of scenarios. Um, but on the other hand, they don't believe that those types of pressure campaigns like, inter, like economic sanctions work and can actually worsen the situation. So they're they're also trying to undermine the sanctions at the same time. They you know, want to look like they're supporting them. And then mm -hmm. on the front with uh, North Korea and, and the United States, they know that if the United States loses all hope of a diplomatic resolution, it's much more likely the U.S. moves to use force. That's kind of what we saw in the Trump administration. Um, mm -hmm. But it's really also not in their interests to jeopardize their relationship with North Korea to help the United States solve a longstanding security issue, because for them, it's really in the context of the great power competition with the United States. So who's going to be better off? Who's going to have more power and influence on the peninsula once this is all over? If the answer is the United States, then they actually have very little incentive to move forward with it. So I somewhat, I don't know, provocatively sort of argued in this, in this argument is that we have to make China choose. And choosing is, I think, better than the balancing act, whichever way they choose. If they decide they're not going to help at all, they're going to undermine the sanctions. At least we know what we're working with. Um, and we can move forward with putting pressure on North Korea through other means or even, you know, trying our own positive inducements with North Korea. Or, you know, China is fully on board, in which case they are doing what's necessary to get North Korea to denuclearize. And that could include, you know, beyond economic sanctions, military cooperation with the United States to plan to forcibly denuclearize the peninsula. It could be a range of various issues. Either way, I think this this world in which China gets the credit, you know, for being cooperative uh, and also the access to undermine anything we try to do is the worst of, of all worlds. Let me ask you something about, because what you, there's something in what you just said. I, I know we're talking about this this dynamic between China and North Korea, but it, it seems that you're making a call for just for greater clarity and greater candor. And I know we're talking about the context of China and North Korea, but I wonder if you think that that candor would advance the cause of stability in US-China relations more broadly. And I'm thinking in particular, of course, to the Anchorage summit. And I know that there were some observers who in the aftermath of Anchorage said, look, yes, there were fireworks and there was a very contentious public display, but when you have two great powers and they are engaged in systemic long-term multifaceted competition, that the cause of strategic stability is better served by mutual candor so that both countries know what the other's red lines are, what the other side's vital national interests are. And so rather than attaching ourselves to uh, 
uh, abstract notions that neither side truly believes that let's just clear the air, let's dispense with all pretense, and let's negotiate, compete, cooperate, et cetera, et cetera, from a position of mutual clarity. Do, do you do you think that that notion has any purchase? I mean, that is like a dream for a China special. So it's never going to happen. I mean, can you imagine the Chinese like speaking? <laughs> what do you mean, like? Honestly and candidly, like my favorite is, you know, nothing is ever their fault, right? Even the mm. deterioration of the strategic environment is the fault of the United States. I've asked government official over and over on various topics, just out of curiosity, like, is there one thing that maybe you should have done differently in this issue area, whether it be Taiwan or or China Sea or what, you know anything? And the answer is always no. Our policies are completely perfect. So, you know, one of the issues is that China finds it very useful to manipulate the narrative. That's a key part of how they compete. So, uh, the United States convincing them to stop doing that. I mean, I think that would be great if China could admit. Um, you know, the, uh, just the other day I was in a conversation, a track, you know, one point five, which the Chinese mm. speaker was like, there had been no evidence that the United that China wants the U.S. military out of, you know, uh, the first island chain. And I was like, what is the DF twenty one D? What is yeah. that for that? So, so yeah, I think that'd be great, Ali, but wishful thinking. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I. There's something, I mean, the, it, it seems to me that the more that China, you know, persists with this so-called wolf warrior diplomacy and the more that this deepening authoritarian turn uh, is eliciting public attention, it seems to me that China is contributing more and more to its own, frankly, diplomatic encirclement. And so to the extent that that trend continues, that could advantage the United States. But maybe that, maybe I'm being overly sanguine. I, we had this conversation like uh, 10 years ago and we thought they'd moderate their behavior because they'd learned their lessons they had it. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm hopeful. So maybe the next conversation we can talk about that hope.